and continuing on in, um, in Hebrews as well. We got to Hebrews 12, which is amazing. Um, yeah, just need to sort of think that's all good for this time. All four. All right. Here we are. So good together. Um, when Annie and I were in England in January, almost a year ago, mental, we, um, we stayed with my family in, in an Airbnb in Somerset, and it was this quaint little village called Big Nola. And behind this Airbnb was this uh, big hill or small mountain. I don't really know the difference. Um, let's say big hill. Um, and we climbed the hill a few times to watch the sunset. But we didn't really know how long it would take to get up. And if you do anything with my brothers, it always takes a lot longer to leave the house than you think. So we, went, we, went, we set out to walk up this hill to watch the sunset. By the time we got to the bottom of the hill, it was already golden hour, and we were like, oh no, <laughs> are we going to be able to climb up this, um, this small mountain? It sounds more dramatic. I might change it to make it sound more dramatic. I don't know. Um, this massive mountain. Um, but about halfway, halfway up, we realised that nobody actually knew where we were going. We reached the end of a path and we were like, oh, how do you, how do you get up now? And my brother, my eldest brother was like, I'll go up through these bristles and thorns up the really steep bit and I'll get to the top and direct you. And then the rest of us went back on ourselves and just went down the path a bit and found the path up, so left him to do his thing. But, um, we, we realised we just walked straight past this path that went up. We walked straight past it. It was obvious. But how? How did we walk straight past? Somehow, at some point, we lost focus. We lost direction of where we're going. Somehow, at some point, our eyes were fixed on something else. And we walked straight past the path. Um, I don't know about you guys. I feel like this year has been really weird. Agreed. Yeah. It's, uh, maybe it's off the back of COVID as well. I, I think I expected people to have energy coming out of COVID, but it was the opposite. People, people were tired, and it's understandable. Um, but people were really tired. There's a lot of exhaustion. Um, and it's been really weird. Not just for that reason, for quite a few reasons. And, and, and the thing is, the busyness of life and the weirdness of, of life um, we often lose focus. And that goes, that goes for everyone. Now, you might be in a place where you're not losing focus, and praise God, but there comes a time where we do lose focus. Peter, Jesus' disciple, one of the twelve, the rock of the church, he lost focus and denied Jesus. I lose focus often. I think the things that don't matter as much uh, matter more than Jesus sometimes. I think, uh, I, I think too much about what people think of me sometimes or how I'm going to deal with a particular situation. Or sometimes I just lose focus and go in a YouTube rabbit hole. And you will do that too by the sounds of it. But I'm, I'm really thankful for the church. I'm really thankful for our gospel community as well um, who remind me to keep on track because it's easy to lose really easy to lose focus. And, and that's actually what the book of Hebrews is, is, is 
written to and written for, and we've talked about this throughout the year, that Hebrews is a book written to people who are prone to lose focus, who are prone to drift back to their culture. They were Jews who converted to Christianity, and they're prone to go back to making sacrifices, prone to go back to the high priest, back to the temple, back to the, the, the Jewish laws. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, no, stop that. Because you guys are Christians now. You, you realize that Jesus has made the ultimate sacrifice. You don't need to go to high priests. You don't need to go to the temple. He's better. Stop losing focus and focus in on Jesus. And that's what this is saying. Stop losing focus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. So, so far through this series of Hebrews, we've had Jesus is better. Jesus is better than the angels. He's the better rest giver. He's the better high priest. He's the better hope, the better advocate, the better covenant. And then last time in Hebrews, we talked about faith in chapter 11. Faith in, faith in what we can't see. And I think that that also emphasizes, doesn't it? Faith in what we can't see, that emphasizes the point that it's really easy to lose focus on things that we can see. And then in this passage today, Hebrews 12, he talks about what we do with our faith. How we, how we fix our eyes on Jesus. We have to fix our eyes on Jesus. But why do we need to fix our eyes on Jesus? Well, the answer is because Jesus is amazing. So I've given you the answer to myself. Now, now you're going to lose focus. <laughs> but there's, there's more. What I'm hoping to show this morning is why and how Jesus is amazing. Why and how Jesus is amazing. And, and by answering that, that should then answer why and how we should not lose focus in a world of distractions. Why and how Jesus is amazing. And that should answer why and how we should not lose focus in a world of distractions. So I'm going to talk about three aspects of Jesus that we get from these texts. And they're alliterated for your convenience. The first is Jesus, fix our eyes on Jesus, the provider of salvation. The pioneer of faith and the pursuer of joy. The provider of salvation, the pioneer of faith and the pursuer of joy. So we'll start with the first. Jesus, fix your eyes on Jesus, the provider of salvation. And we'll start in Luke 2. You want to open your Bibles there? It's, um, I think it's a really interesting thing when when you or, or someone close to you has a baby because you realise you realise that this baby has the power to change so many people this baby who is, who is just born changes so many people if it's your baby then, then maybe it's your first baby and you become a mother or a father if it's someone in your family maybe you become an auntie or an uncle or a grandparent or, or, or maybe it's your friend you become a godparent or maybe you, your title doesn't change, but you realise that, that life will be a bit different because, because suddenly, if your best friend has a baby, you've dropped on their priority list. That's okay. That's normal. That's, that should happen. <laughs> but things change. And so when you hold the baby, when you hold a newborn baby, all these emotions flow. Like amazement, wonder. Oh, what is this baby's life going to be like? How beautiful this thing is. But then also, oh, things are going to be so different now. Things are going to be so different. In Luke 2, we have someone, a man named Simeon, 
I feel like we can relate to Simeon. Simeon, Simeon is um, a person who had faith and he acted upon that faith. He lived that faith out. And that's hard to do, especially here in a world of distractions. But Simeon was, it says that Simeon was righteous and devout. And that means that he followed the laws, he followed the, the religious things to do. But, but more broadly, it means that he actually just wanted to please God with how he lived. He wanted to honour God. He made decisions in his life to please God. And Simeon was also a man in waiting. Like so many other Jews, Simeon grew up in the Old Testament, knowing the Old Testament, learning the Old Testament. And so, again, like so many other Jews, Simeon would have known that there was a promise in the Old Testament that a Messiah will come, a king will come, one who will bring salvation, not only to Israel, but to the whole world, open it up to the whole world. This king will come, one who will bring complete redemption and usher in a new covenant. So Simeon was a person waiting for this, like every other Jew. But, but, but more than that, Simeon had a conviction. In verse 26 of Luke 2, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. He, wasn't, he, he was going to see this fulfillment in flesh before he died. Then one day, verse 27, moved by the Spirit, Simeon goes to the temple courts in Jerusalem and, and in comes this ragtag-looking family with a, with a 40-day-old baby, less than six weeks. And this, this family came to make a purification rite for the firstborn male. That was a law um, at the time. And this family looked poor. The law said that uh, to make a purification rite for your firstborn male, come in with a lamb, make a sacrifice with a lamb. If you can't afford a lamb, get two birds. So they rocked up with two ducks or, or two pigeons. So they looked poor. They came in. And also, they would have looked tired. They just walked from Galilee to Jerusalem. That's 150 k's walking from here to Kayama. They would have looked tired. Did any of you walk here today? If you don't live in Blackland? <laughs> if you do live in Blackland? <laughs> 150 k's they walked. And, I mean, they could have stayed somewhere the night before coming. Maybe they did. But I have this picture in my head that, that they were tired and they were dirty. <laughs> And surely hungry. And they have a 40-day-old baby, less than six weeks, and they walk into the temple courts. And, and the text doesn't say why or how Simeon knew, but he knew that this baby was the Messiah. He knew that this baby was the fulfillment of the promise that people that Israel had been waiting for, for forever. This baby, this little dirty, helpless baby. <laughs> Verse 28, Simeon took him, that's Jesus, baby Jesus, in his arms, and he praised God. Now, I originally thought when I read this, um, he took Jesus in his arms and he praised God. I imagined him get down on his knees, taking the baby in his arms, getting down on his knees, looking up and praising God. But picture this, picture this, an old man, well, likely an old man, doesn't say he's old, but... Picture an old man, makes it better. Um, and he goes up to this ragtag family, and he takes Simeon, he takes, he takes Jesus into his arms, and he knows that this baby 
is the Messiah. And he praises God. And what he needs to do to praise God isn't get on his knees and look up. He raises the baby a little bit higher. And he whispers these next words. I love this. He whispers this. Now it doesn't say that he whispers it. This is my interpretation. But we can imagine. Sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord. It's a baby. But sovereign. As you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant. This baby has the power to dismiss life. My eyes have seen your salvation. This baby has has power for salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. That means that the Gentiles, those who are not Jewish, are now able to come into the promise and the glory of your people Israel. Finally, the promise fulfilled. This baby has that power. And, and, and think, think about how when you hold a newborn baby and you think, oh, this baby has power to change me and my life. Simeon held this baby and he realized this baby not only has power to affect those just around him, but affect the whole world. Gentiles and Jews. This baby changes everything. So Simeon was a man who, despite waiting for his whole life, depending on a promise, he fixed his eyes on Jesus and he saw salvation. My eyes have seen salvation. So much so that he says, well, take me home now. My eyes have seen salvation. Dismiss your servant. I'm ready. And like Simeon, who waited so long, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we realize that nothing else has salvation. Nothing else can rescue us. Nothing else can free us from sin, death, and eternal punishment. But this baby who we celebrate every Christmas, and I hope every day as well, he's the provider of salvation. Now, Hebrews 12. And the second second point, Jesus is the pioneer of faith. So we've seen how Simeon, Simeon waited, and when he finally fixed his eyes on Jesus... He praised and recognized the salvation that Jesus brings, so much so that he was ready to die after that. Now in Hebrews 12, what the the writer is doing is he's trying to get the readers to grasp the same thing that Simeon grasped. He's trying to, to encourage the same emotion that Simeon had. He talks about how we're running a race. How we as Christians are running a race of faith. And we're to keep our eyes on Jesus, keep pressing forward like Simeon did his whole life. The difference, though, between us and Simeon is that we are at the other end of Jesus' life. Jesus has, has lived his whole life, he's died, he's risen again, and we're at the other end of it. And the, the original readers of Hebrews were at the other end of it as well. So our faith will look different to Simeon's. Our faith will look different to to everyone in Hebrews 11 listed, these these great people of great faith. Our faith looks different because we've had our faith pioneered for us. Jesus is the pioneer of faith. Let me read verse 1 and 2 of Hebrews 12. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that means the people who have gone before us, who have faith, they witness what it looks like to live a life of faith. 
These, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Being the, being, so there's, there's the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. Being the pioneer means that Jesus has gone before us. He's, he initiated true faith and he's given us a path to follow. That's what a good pioneer does. Initiates and gives us a path to follow. Being the perfecter of faith means that he has brought faith to completion. He has endured the cross, scorned the shame, risen again, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And this is what we've been learning about in Mark and what, what Glenda just read about as well. Jesus' death and resurrection, now, that has achieved faith's ultimate goal. Jesus had perfected faith from start to finish, from, from, the, from before Simeon held Jesus, he had faith. Through his childhood, he had faith. Through his adolescence, through his adulthood, through his three years of ministry, through his rejection and, and, and being beaten and being put up on the cross, he had faith. From defeating death and rising again from the grave, he had faith. And, now he's, and that was faith in the Father the whole time, and now he sits at God's right hand, having completed faith. So we don't go in blindly. We don't have blind faith. We follow him. He's pioneered the way. We now have a way to follow. He's the pioneer of faith. And the way we follow that is by fixing our eyes on him. Because he's there at the, at the finish line of this race. But there are two things that are holding us back on this race. Two things that are slowing us down. He talks about them in verse 1, doesn't he? He says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. They're two different things. The things that hinder us on this race and the sin that so easily entangles. The things that hinder us are associations or activities um, that, that, that weigh us down from running. Maybe that's, maybe that's working too much. Maybe that's a hobby that takes up too much time, takes you away from people, away from community. Things hinder us. And I don't know what it is for you, but you'd know what it is that's hindering you to run this race of faith. And if you don't know, pray. Pray, pray that it will be revealed or ask someone close to you who knows. Because we've got to throw them off. And the other thing is the sin that so easily entangles. It's, it's, it's terrifying. And again, that's what I tried to convey with that, that artwork, is sin that just easily entangles. And it's scary. It grapples us. And before we know it, we're entangled. We're wrapped up in sin. And again, if you don't know what these sins are, pray. Ask God. But also ask someone close to you as well. And Because the, the writer tells us to throw these things off. Throw off the things that are hindering you. Throw off the sin that so easily entangles. And, and this might seem impossible, but, but, but you have two things. 
that makes it possible. It's not impossible to throw them off. And you have two things that makes it possible. Firstly, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. He, he's paid for the sin. He's defeated the sin. The same power that was with him when he pioneered the way is now in every believer. God's spirit. It takes prayer, it takes discipline, it takes effort, and that's, that's why the, the, the writer here calls it a race. Because <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy. And the other thing is the church. We have the church. And we can bear one another's burdens. We have each other because, because we're following the path that Jesus laid out and we can help each other. So accept each other's help. Accept each other's help. And also help each other. I feel like sometimes it's way harder to accept help than it is to offer help. But accept it. And we can throw off these things together. And we can follow Jesus, the pioneer of faith, together. And then lastly, Jesus is the pursuer of joy. And what I mean by this is that all all of this, everything he did, the coming to earth, the being born, made human, the pioneering of faith, the living a life of faith and perfecting it, the enduring of the cross and all of its shame. He did it all for the joy set before him. Now, what is that joy that was set before him? It was glory. The joy set before him was being at the right hand of the Father, but being at the right hand of the Father after pioneering the way for us so that we can follow. It was having completed what he set out to achieve, to rescue and redeem the world. And so like Simeon, Simeon said, my eyes have seen salvation. And Jesus achieved salvation for Gentiles and Jews. And this was the joy set before him, that he would achieve salvation for us. And on the cross, I can just imagine, he's just thinking, one more sprint. One more sprint and I've finished this race and all my people can follow the path that I pioneered. One more sprint. And he did it. And he rose from the grave and he pioneered the way and said, we will go and we will rise from the grave as well. And he knew, the choice that before him was the fact that he knew that we could come and we could be with him. How incredible is that? He knew that we could do it all free from sin because he defeated it, free from hindrances, that we could make it home. And we will, church. We will make it home. So this Advent, we think back. We think back to baby Jesus coming into the world, initiating a walk of faith so that we can fix our eyes on him. But we also think forward to the next Advent when Jesus will come back. When my, when my brothers and I got to the top of the hill, the massive mountain, I mean, in Big Nolla, in England, we got there in time for the sunset, which is amazing. That couldn't have been that massive then. We weren't high up, but somehow we were above wispy clouds. The sunlight was incredible. We had a view over all of Somerset. And when we reached the top, there was this big flock of deer on the top. And in the middle, the, the strong stack. And they all raised their heads all at once, all raised their heads and looked at us. And, and we, me and my brothers, just stood there looking at them. And, and there was about a minute. 
had a minute when nobody reached for their phones, nobody moved, nobody said a word. And, and there was something about the deer, majestic, the glow of golden hour, Somerset behind, clouds below, just me and my brothers, which doesn't happen very often. And, and just, just for a minute, we got to experience deep beauty. But that was a glimpse. A glimpse I'm thankful for, but a glimpse. But one day we will reach the mountain where all the beauty came from. We'll see in full. One day we'll reach the end of the pioneered race. We'll see Jesus face to face and we, with Simeon, can embrace him. And we can, we can whisper, Sovereign Lord, my eyes have seen your salvation. The run, the throwing off, the removing of hindrances, the fixing our eyes on Jesus, the, 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 the resisting of focusing on the world, it will all make sense and it will all be worth it and it will all be done. So why and how is Jesus amazing? Well, Jesus came. And his coming led to salvation. And he has given us a way to joy. And Jesus' next advent will take us into that joy forever. He's the provider of salvation, the pioneer of faith, and the pursuer of joy. And doesn't that, doesn't that answer why and how should we not lose focus in a world of distractions? We fix our eyes on him, our salvation, our pioneer, our joy. We throw off the sin, throw out the hindrances, help each other in this, run the race, look to him. What an incredible season to be doing this in Advent, remembering Jesus. Let's fix our eyes on him together. Happy Advent, church.